All right, I want to read a couple of verses here. In 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said to him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And we're going to go through the rest of this chapter here in a little bit. But I want you to notice how David, just one day, he just kind of gets this idea. I want to do something kind for someone in the house of Saul. And I specifically want to do this because of Jonathan. Because we all know the story of David and Jonathan. They were great friends. I mean, they loved each other in a great way. We see that, though, when it came to Saul, though, that there wasn't a great relationship there. We see David loved Saul, but Saul did not return the favor. Saul was terrible to David. But notice how David, he's in a situation where most kings, whenever they would take over, one practice that we see happening in the Bible that was bad is whenever a king would take over and he was from a new family, you know what they would usually do? They would go kill everyone that was a part of that family of the previous king because they didn't want anyone else trying to lay claim to the throne. So if David was like your average king, he'd have been saying, is there anybody yet left in the house of Saul that isn't dead so I can kill them? That's what most kings did. David said, no, I want to find somebody from the house of Saul and I want to be kind to him. And I want to do that for Jonathan's sake. And there's a lot of great things that we can learn from this. What I want to preach about today is about being a blessing to others. We see one thing we about David, and one thing that's fascinating to me, you hear me bring this up a lot, is when I see characters in the Old Testament that displayed New Testament traits. And they had those New Testament attributes that we as well we like to call ourselves New Testament Christians. You know, we're not eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth people. You know, we're New Testament Christians. You know, we're people that are under grace, and so we know all these things now, but yet we see examples of people in the Old Testament that practice these things before they were even com- commanded. We see people in the Old Testament who had Christ-like character traits, even though Christ hadn't come to earth yet. These are people who they never read the four Gospels because they hadn't even happened yet, and yet these guys acted like Christ, and David is somebody that we know was a man after God's own heart. And I think one of the things that we see here in this story with David, it kind of gives us a look into why he was a man after God's own heart. We see some very, we see a very Christ-like attitude from David here. And I think David is one of the greatest examples of somebody who had Christ-like attributes as, as Joseph is a great example of that, who displayed New Testament character traits before the New Testament. Abraham is a great example of that. In fact, that's why we could, uh, God calls those who are of faith children of Abraham because Abraham, he was like that before any of us. I mean, he was somebody that was just such a great example of that. He was a friend of God. And David, he's a man after God's own heart. And we see an attitude here with David that is unlike the attitude of most kings. He's somebody, he's not sitting around thinking, who's going to try to dethrone me? Who's going to try to take my spot? He didn't have that attitude. He understood that God had placed him as king, just like God had placed Saul as king. And if God wanted to get rid of David, there was nothing David was going to be able to do. And David also understood that if God wants me here, there's nothing that anybody else can do. 
There's no doubt God chose David to be king. And I don't think there's any doubt that it was because of the kind of heart that he had. So when I see this attitude with David, when I see the Bible highlighting things like this about David, I think we should take note and we should ask ourselves, do I display this type of you know, behavior in my life? Do I do this kind of thing? And if not, you know, I should probably fix that. You know, I need to start doing some of these things. And because a lot of the things, too, that the New Testament teaches, that I think we kind of understand as Christians, they do go against our nature. You know, love your enemies. It goes against our nature. You know, do good, you know, bless them that curse you. That goes against our nature. Now, we know we're supposed to do that. But, and, and we do it because we've been told to do it. We've been, we do it out of obedience but at the same time, what does that tell us about guys like David who were doing that type of thing before it was written? I think that's just an amazing thing, and we ought to take note of that. And so um, David is a great example of somebody who had these kind of traits. David had a lot of problems. We see some major mistakes in David's life, but he was still a man after God's own heart. And I think sometimes God does. He includes these stories to show us why that is and to give us some examples of some behavior that he wants from his people. So what are some things that we can learn in this story about David? Because I, I, we know David was somebody who pleased God, and I want to do these things too. So the first thing we see about David, notice that David blessed somebody. He wanted to bless somebody just because of their father. Okay, And, so we, and now look at verse 4. So it says, The king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mature, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. And the king sent and fetched him out of the house of Mature, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. So David, in this passage, he starts out, I just want to find somebody from the house of Saul that I can be a blessing to, and I want to do it because of Jonathan. And you say, oh, I don't really get the significance of that. But turn over to Genesis chapter 26. Because remember, this attitude David had of, I want to do good to somebody because of their father. This is an attitude that we see that God has. And it says in Genesis 26, 4, And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. God's talking to Isaac. And I will give unto thy seed all these countries. In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So God here is telling Isaac, I'm going to do a bunch of great things for you. I'm going to bless you. And you know why I'm going to bless you, Isaac? Because of your father. Because of what Abraham did. We see, in fact, throughout the genealogies of the kings of Judah, that kingdom had always stayed in the line of David. And there were some really wicked kings. And you know what God would always say? I would destroy, I, I, I'm not going to utterly destroy you because of David. There were many people who were so bad that they deserved to die and God didn't kill them because of David. Now, I think that's interesting because as Christians, we should kind of have a little bit of understanding for that because let me ask you, why aren't we going to hell? Is it because we don't deserve it or is it because of something Someone else did for us. Something that was done on our behalf. Was Are we going to heaven because of our obedience? Or are we going to heaven because of the obedience of Jesus Christ? 
We're going to heaven because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. You know, does, are we blessed because God just looks at us and just thinks, man, you people are fantastic? Or are we blessed because of who our Father is? Are we blessed because of, of Jesus Christ? Are we blessed because we are the children of Abraham, because of our faith? You know, these are the, those are the real answers. We're blessed because of Jesus Christ. And so this attitude of blessing somebody, not because of anything they've done, but because of who their father is, this is something that we see from God. In fact, in the, uh, we'll turn over to Exodus chapter 20. In the Ten Commandments, after they've been told not to make any graven images, it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And notice how when it comes to and you know what you get as a result of your father, God is way more generous with the blessing than he is with the cursing. The blessings go farther than the curses do. And there are some curses that can be passed down. That's another subject for another day. But you know what? God is more likely and God is more anxious to give the blessing rather than the cursing. And often the blessings that we have are a result of our fathers. One of the reasons that we're blessed in our country today is because of previous generations. Now, we're not setting the next generation up real well right now. And often, because we are experiencing blessings, we get to thinking that we're pretty good because, well, we must be doing something right. Well, maybe it's because of your fathers. And you need to keep that in mind because you need to understand you've got a generation that's coming after you. How are you setting them up? We've been set up great. But how are we setting up the next generation? I'm thankful for the the previous generations in my life, not just biologically, not just uh, when it comes to the previous generations as Americans, but even the previous generations in fundamentalism, in the Baptist world. I'm thankful for those who set us up good and set us on the right track. But what are we doing for the next generation? And let me tell you, that's not looking real good either. It's not looking good. We ought to think about these things. And this idea of being blessed because of blessing someone because of their father, this is an attitude that God has This is a concept that we should understand even more because we have the New Testament. We all know Galatians chapter 3. We're not going to take the time to turn there. But we know that we are blessed with faithful Abraham. God sees Abraham in many ways as our father because we have faith like Abraham did. And we are blessed because of these things. And so we, we should get this. As Christians, we should get this and... Notice that Mephibosheth, he brought nothing to the table when it came to benefiting David. Mephibosheth, he's lame on his feet, isn't he? He's, he was crippled. He was dropped when he was a baby, and uh, he's not, he's not going to help in any battle. Mephibosheth, because of the fact that he is a grandson of Saul, he is somebody that could potentially rise up and that people could get behind and say, you know what, he's the rightful king, not you, David. But you know what? David, he wasn't looking for someone who could bless him and benefit him. He was looking for somebody that he could bless, somebody that he could benefit. That was his attitude. And I I personally believe Mephibosheth is a great example 
and a great picture of salvation. Because let me ask you, what did we bring to the table when God saved us? I mean, before we were saved, when you think about mankind, you have a fallen people, you have a wicked people who deserve to die and go to hell. Mephibosheth said, I'm a dead dog. You know, and that's what we ought to say when we get saved. Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm of no value. I have nothing that I can bring to you. But thankfully, our Heavenly Father, He looks at us, He, he looked at earth, and He looked at mankind, and He said, you know what? I want to do something for them. They've got nothing they can do for me, but I've got something I can do for them. And what happens? Jesus Christ comes, and He pays the penalty of our sins. And then God says, you know what? I want to bring you into my house. Us? You know, that's, you know, and we got people today, they act, they act like they're God's gift. It's like, you know what? I mean, I made it all worth it for Jesus to come. To, that, that's the attitude they have. And, you know, that's, that's a horrible attitude. You know, we ought to have the attitude of Mephibosheth. You know, I wonder how many times Mephibosheth sat there eating at David's table just thinking, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. You know what my grandfather did? And you know what? What did our great-great-great-grandfather Adam do? He rebelled against God. He sinned against God, yet because of somebody in that line of Adam, not Adam, but Jesus, because of him, God is able to say, you know what? I want to do something for these people. I want to help them. I want to make them part of my family. That's an amazing thing. I don't think there's any doubt that Mephibosheth is a picture of the sinner and and salvation. There, there's no doubt about that. Look what it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 22. It says, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus the Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. Now we all understand imputed righteousness, right? We get it that we have been credited with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We tell people that we know that we're going to heaven and we do know we're going to go to heaven. Not be, and we understand though that we ha- we're able to have that confidence because when we stand before God, we will be credited with the works of Jesus Christ instead of our own works. And because of that, we're going to have the love of God. We have the mercy, the protection. We have all those things that we need thanks to Jesus Christ. And you know what Mephibosheth had? You could say Mephibosheth he had the imputed righteousness, not of Saul, that David could have put that on him. He had the imputed righteousness, you could say, of Jonathan, his father. Because why did David want to do good to Mephibosheth? He specifically said, because of Jonathan. Because of Jonathan. And so Mephibosheth, he was a beneficiary of Jonathan being good to him. And we need to understand we should have that same attitude towards other people. Did you know it's okay for you to, and, and I think we all, kind of, hopefully you, you do this to a certain extent, but you know, when you find out that someone is maybe related to someone you love, you care a little more about that person, don't you? Because, you know, maybe you didn't know that person, but you knew their parents. You care about them. All, this, all of a sudden, they've just automatically scored points with you. You don't know a thing about them, but because of who their family is, all of a sudden now, they matter to you. And here's the question we need to ask ourselves. How are people going to feel about our kids that knew us? 
Because has there ever been somebody before that you automatically didn't like them because of who their parents were? I mean, boy, if, when, if we find out somebody's running for president and their last name's Clinton or Bush or Obama or something, you know, we're automatically not going to like them. Well, they, they might be great. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. What, what are we doing? We're imputing all these things from their parents. And, you know, and, it, and, it, you know, and depending on who you like, okay, you know, those who love uh, who loved Donald Trump, if another Trump comes along, they're going to automatically be awesome. They're going to automatically make America great again. Why? Because of who their father was. Oh, do you know this person's policies? Nope, but I see that name. And I'm, I'm waiting for another Trump to run for president because they'll, they'll be the last Trump in prophecy. And then that's when people go nuts with it. That's when people are going to go nuts with that stuff. It'll probably be Baron Trump, the youngest of them. He's going to, he's going to rise up, the last Trump, and then uh, in the rapture. That'd be cool if the rapture came then, but I don't know. You, know, you never know. You, know, you never know. But so most kings would have imputed Saul's sin to Mephibosheth. God could have imputed Adam's sin to us and just could have wiped us out and killed us. But you know what he did? He made it, There was another Adam, Jesus Christ, the last Adam, and we get his righteousness imputed if we will just believe on him and have faith. And I'm thankful for that. And so we should remember previous generations for the good things that they did. It's okay. If, if you, because think about this too. You know, I, I mean, I hope my children go on and serve the Lord and do good things. I think that's the desire of every father. And you know, if, uh, you know, years later, you know, I'm dead and gone and you're remembering them and recognize them for the good things that I did, I think it'll encourage them to continue doing good things. It's like, man, these people, they love me. I'm being blessed because of what my father did. I want to do the same things. I know I've recognized many of the blessings that I've received in my own life because of my father. And you know what? I don't want to be the one to like stop the blessing on that end. It's like I've received all these benefits because of how I was raised. The last thing I want to do is break the chain in that thing. I want to make sure I set my children up good too. That needs to be our attitude we have. And so I think we need, we need, it's a good thing for us to target people that have been a blessing to us and that have been good to us to try and think and kind of let those people have a special place in our heart and, you know, maybe do more to try to reach them with the gospel whatever. I mean, you think about people that have been a blessing to you in your life and that have uh, been special to you in your life, and maybe they're gone now, but you know what? You should remember their kids. You should remember their grandkids. They ought to be special to you. You ought to, be able, you ought to tell them, you know, if you see them, or let them know, hey, I knew your dad. I knew your grandpa. They did this for me. They were a blessing to me. I like hearing that when people talk to me about how, hey, they knew my dad. My dad, he taught uh, at a Bible college for a long time. And I've talked to a lot of preachers. Hey, your dad used to teach me in the Bible college. I was in, I was in one of your dad's classes and they would always, and they, they tell me good things about my dad. That blesses me when I hear that kind of thing. I like, I like hearing that. And that encourages me to want to kind of carry on in his footsteps in these areas. And so being a blessing to other people like that, specifically people who are even descendants of those who've blessed you, that's just a, a very, God-like thing to do. That's the kind of thing that he does. And that's what David did. And I believe we ought to try to practice that kind of thing. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 1, a good name 
is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold or gold. There is great value in a name. And, you know, we're not the only ones who decide whether we have a good name or not. You know, it stinks if you, uh, you know, we all don't, you know, if you ha- imagine if you, you know, you had the last name Gacy or the last name Dahmer or, you know, some of these, you know, n- notable serial killers and things that are out there. Uh, you know, Oswald, I don't know, but you, you know, you name it, you know, there's people that do, they ruin good names all by themselves. Imagine too, if you were actually the child, you know, imagine if your last name, you know, was like Oswald or something, you think you're going to get it, get close to any president anytime when they're screening people, you know, they're going to think you're following in your, you know, the family's footsteps or something like that. That would be bad. And we don't, we always need to remember that we're, you know, what, what we do affects the next generation. And we, I want people blessing the next generations because of me not doing bad. And so we need, we need to make sure we keep those things in mind. But notice another thing about David. We see though it was in David's heart to do this good thing for the house of Saul. Nobody had to tell David to do it. This was something David just decided on his own. I want to do this. Why did David do this great work? It was because it was in his heart. And let me tell you, I can't, you know, I can't pretend to know, you know, why David had the kind of heart that he did. You know, I, I'm not going to stand here and say, this is why David had that kind of heart, but maybe it's, you know, we can get some insight from some of the Psalms. I like what it says in Psalms 51:10, where he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Maybe it was things like that that made David have the kind of heart that he was supposed to have. Maybe those are the kind of things that we ought to pray. But the truth is, there's some things you just can't fake. And you know what? You can't fake loving people. You can be fake for a little bit, but people are going to figure it out. And you can fake being nice. You can fake being generous for a little while. But at the end of the day, the people who do the kind of things that David did are people who do it from the heart. That is just in their heart. You say, well, I don't know who to bless. Well, you know, maybe it's because you kind of have a heart problem. Maybe you don't have appreciation for others like you like you should have. Maybe you don't think about other people like you should think. Maybe you're the kind of person that you only do good to those that can do good in return to you. If that's how you are, just understand you've got a bad heart. You know, you might be the kind of person you're always thinking, how can I bless this person that can do something for me? You need to ask God to change your heart. You need to ask God to help you have a heart more like him, a heart that wants to be good to others, a heart that's always thinking about others and how they can be a blessing. Some people, they just don't know how to be a blessing. And you know why? It's because they're not looking at the needs of other people. And you've got to ask God to help change that in you. And I'm not going to, you know, I can stand here today and I can tell you a whole bunch of ideas of how you could be a blessing to other people. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is just having the right heart and be observant. Because the truth is, uh, there's things you can do that are nice on paper that actually can end up just hurting people and hurting their feelings. You know, so for example, you know, sometimes it's embarrassing for people when you maybe give them money. You know, have you ever known somebody that was like that? They're just kind of embarrassed about taking the gift. And I think we ought to be sensitive to stuff like that. You know, we don't want to just go doing, uh, you know, so for example, 
I don't want to like get too specific on things and like give some examples from the past, but you know, I'll just make it up. But let, you know, let's just say brother Austin, you know, he's struggling financially you know, he's having a tough time holding down a job and, and maybe he's embarrassed about it. Maybe, you know, it's just something he's, he's kind of embarrassed by and other people, maybe not, but maybe with him it is. Okay. Now if I'm sensitive to that and I understand, you know, Hey, you know, he, his pride's hurt here. He's struggling to provide. I'm going to know, you know, now's not the time to say, Hey, Folks, Liberty Baptist Church, Austin's struggling. They're way behind in their bills. You know what? Let's help them out. You know, and then let's bring them to the front, and we all just bring cash up to them and stuff like that. You know, some people would be humiliated and devastated if you did that. Now, some people would be like, "Can you please?" I, I could use that right now. You know, some people, some people would take it in a heartbeat. But you all understand that sometimes, you know, how you do nice things, it can actually hurt and do damage. We had that happen one time where some of you remember a young man who came here where somebody brought a whole bunch of clothes for him and it, it like embarrassed the grandpa and he, he got upset about it and quit, you know, and, and it did. It was just, you got to learn to be sensitive about things. And so I don't want to just stand here and tell you, do this, you know, here's some, you know, give like all these examples. You know what you need to do? You just need to learn to be sensitive. You need to learn to have some discernment and the truth is, if you have a heart like David had, you're, nobody's going to have to tell you what to do. I'm not going to have to get up and preach a sermon saying, this is how it's done. Here's some specifics. You're going to know what to do. You're going to spot the need, and you're going to know exactly what needs to be done to fix it. And you know what? It's not always financial. It's, it's, that's, just not, that's not how it is. And so instead of me just giving you a bunch of ideas all I want to say is what you, if you need ideas, you know what you need to ask God to do? To fix your heart. You need to ask him to change your heart and to help you be more caring about other people. And I believe God will reveal these things to you because at the end of the day, if you just don't love people, you, I, can, I can give you a whole list of things to do. It's not going to make you love people. You, can, you can't fake that type of thing. And so you just need to ask God to fix your heart and you will be amazed at all the, all the opportunities that you're going to end up finding. And so uh, look at what it says in verse 6 of Second Samuel 9. It says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face, did reverence, and David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I am? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto my master, thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruit that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons. And 20 servants. So notice David here has completely forgiven Saul of everything that was done to him. You know why a lot of people can't th figure out how to do good things to other people? Because they're too busy obsessing about all the things that have been done to them. They're always so worried about getting justice for all the wrongs that have come their way that they become very self-centered. They look at other people in a very negative way, but that wasn't David. David had forgiven Saul, and notice how David restores all of Saul's land to Mephibosheth. Now, why is this significant? 
Well, we understand that in Israel, that the land, it was, it was divided up into different tribes. David's from the tribe of Judah. He's not supposed to have the land from the tribe of Benjamin, which is where Saul was from. And even within the different tribes, different families possessed that land. And Saul had inheritance. And David understood that when it came to the, these issues with the land and inheritances, that these were things that were laid out. And these things belong to them. David had no right to claim these things for himself, even though people would have probably went along with it because everybody knew how bad Saul had been to David. You know what David did? David did the right thing. David honored the law of God. He respected that, you know, the property rights and the laws that God had given in there and said, you know what? This doesn't belong to me. This belongs to Mephibosheth because he's from Saul's house. He's getting all the land. But not only that, though, David... He understands Mephibosheth isn't capable of tilling this land and doing all these things. So what does he do? He has the servants of Saul take care of the land on behalf of Mephibosheth while he stays there and eats bread at his house. What we see going on here is just a man who had completely forgiven what Saul had done to him. David didn't harbor any hard feelings. David understood God took care of Saul. God dealt with those things. And it was only David in David's heart to do good. We see in Colossians 3.13, it says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. There's no doubt that there was a quarrel between the house of David and the house of Saul. But you know what? David forgave it. David completely forgave it. And you know what he did? David forgave as Christ forgave. Isn't that amazing? Before the cross, before all the things, before Colossians 3.13 was written, David is forgiving as Christ forgives. And I think David, one of the reasons David did that too is because David understood he was a sinner. He'd been forgiven things too. But at the end of the day, this was just David's heart. This was just who he was. And we, we ought to want to be this way. We should be this way because we understand all that we've been forgiven. Nobody would have expected David to do good for anyone in the house of Saul. Nobody had this expectation on him. I don't believe there was any pressure in the kingdom. I don't believe there was any pressure socially for David to do anything for anyone in the house of Saul. Yet at the same time, David just did it. Why? Because it was in his heart. You know, some of us, we've got to be pressured to do good. We do a lot of the good things that we do because we're expected to do it. Because we want to look good for the brethren. But David just did it because it was in his heart. That needs to be why we do the good things that we do. Because it's just in our heart. It's who we are. We actually, we, we, uh, we actually believe these things. And so David, he goes on to treat Mephibosheth like a member of his own family. It says in verse 13, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. So he's like a member of his house. He's eating at his table. He's like family. I mean, that's how much David had forgiven Saul. That's how much David just wanted to, he wanted to show some appreciation to someone from the house of Saul because he cared so much about what Jonathan had done. And understand that was a lot of the motivation here. David he couldn't get over the fact that Jonathan loved him the way that he did. That Jonathan was as good of a friend to him as he was. He did not forget the good that was done. You know, it's amazing how many people, how, how quickly sometimes we forget good things people do for us. Somebody does something good for us, 
and then we love them, and then they do one bad thing for us, and then they hate we hate them. But that's messed up. That is some really messed up thing. You know, there's a lot of people out there that that I'm thankful for that have done a lot of good things. There's even people out there that I don't even really like a lot of what they're doing today, but I'm I'm so thankful for what they've done in the past. I have a hard time not still liking them. And you know, you say, well, you know, you, you you shouldn't like them. You know, they're they're. I I can't get over the good things that they've done in the past. I'm still thankful for what they did. I still appreciate that, and I have a hard time saying anything negative against them. I I, I can't help it, but I think that's the kind of attitude David had. David was just so thankful for how John, the kind of friend Jonathan was. He just wanted to do something good for someone in his house. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8, 16, it says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So here we are as Christians. We're a part of the family of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have all these blessings right here on this earth. We have the promise of eternal life. We have a mansion in heaven. We've got all these things going for us that we're waiting for. And, you know, sometimes I feel like Mephibosheth. You know, I'm sitting here at this table, you could say, figuratively speaking. I'm thinking about all the blessings that I have. I'm thinking of all that's coming. And it's like, how did I get here? What did I do? I did nothing. What can I contribute? What blessing am I really to, you know, when you consider the family that we're in? And, you know, I imagine Mephibosheth felt that way many times as he's got to be helped around. I don't, I don't know how bad his uh, crippling was that he had. I don't know if he had to have somebody carry him around or he had to use crutches or something like that. But as he's, you know, making his way, to this dinner table where he's eating the food of a king, where he's sitting with the family of a king. I wonder how many times he just sat there and thought, how did I get here? Well, you know how he got here? is because he had a father that did some good things, and there was a man who appreciated that and, that, and that blessed him for that. And you know what? Here we are today as God's children. I mean, we are a part of the family of God. We are his people And how did we get here? Well, we didn't do anything, but Jesus did. Jesus did some stuff. Jesus paid for our sins. Jesus was obedient to the Father. And we're his children. And you know what? God blesses us because of that. God is good to us because of that. And you know what? When we see guys like David, a man after God's own heart, the way he treated other people and trying to be a blessing to them, because of this this type of thing, I think that's something that we ought to be doing in our life as Christians. We ought to, we ought to have that same kind of mindset with people. And I, you know, it doesn't even have to be anything. You know, you know, we're not kings in here. We can't do the same type of things that David did. But you know, there's been people before that I've made a greater effort witnessing to because I knew their family. You know, I knew their I knew who their parents were or their grandparents were and I was like I know their parents and grandparents would love to see them get saved and I kind of maybe target them a little more because of who their family was you know I think that's a a godly attitude to have I I think we ought to be that way maybe you've had co-workers before that were a blessing or just or, or or friends you know what 
think about, you should care about their kids too. You should care about their descendants. And, and that's how it is with me. You know, that's, I mean, I think we all understand that to a certain extent in the family. You know, nieces and nephews, for example. You know, your nieces and nephews, they're automatically special, aren't they? You know why? Because of who their parents are. You know, they're not your kids. And the same thing with, with my nieces and nephews. Okay? They're not my kids, but you better believe that they're special to me. You better believe that they kind of stand out in a crowd with me. And that if, you know, if there's a burning building, you know, there's going to be greater effort towards them than other people first. You know why? Because of who their parents are. Because of the fact that I love them. And so they kind of, they just kind of get automatic love. Even if you, you know, sometimes too, we have family members that we hardly even know. Yet you kind of love them a, a little more as a result of that. I think that's very normal. I think that's a natural thing. And, I do believe as Christians, we should be actively looking for opportunities to do good to others. You know, and we, you know, we, we should have more gratitude than anyone else in the world. And we should be good at doing good to others because of all the examples that we have. And we shouldn't look at people and have this attitude of how can these people, or, you know, how can we benefit from these people? We ought to have an attitude of, what can we do for them? When somebody comes and walks in this church, when we have a visitor come to this church, we shouldn't have the attitude, hey, these people could be a blessing to our church. And that's easy to do, especially as a pastor sometimes. You know, you see that family come in, you know, they look like they got lots of money, you know, they got all this talent, you know, they're all musical, something, you know, like, oh man, they're going to help our band, they're going to help our choir, you know, you start thinking about all these things they could do for the church. You know what, that's a pretty sorry attitude. We ought to have the attitude, hey, what can we do for these people? That, that should be the attitude and we don't want to be that church that's partial, and, you know, and we're treating that family in one way, and then the family that you can tell has been run through the ringer of life, we just kind of treat them like garbage. If God sees that kind of thing, we know that's going to be one thing that's going to get God really upset. And we, better than anybody, should know the importance of doing good things for others and being a blessing to others. And we should be looking for opportunities and not just with people in this church. I'm talking about people outside this church. I'm talking about, you know, if we're just doing it for our brothers only, you know, we're no better than the publicans. Publicans will do things for each other. You know, I'm never impressed with those who stand up and who bless and help their buddies. But what about when you do it with those who, Maybe haven't treated you so well. You know, that's a very Christ-like thing to do too. But either way, at the end of the day, I think the bottom line is what we see here in this story with David, this, this good work he's doing, this kindness that he's showing to Mephibosheth, I don't think there's any doubt about it. 100% of the motivation was this was literally David just doing what David wanted to do. And it was just in his heart to do a good thing. If that's not your heart. You know what you need to do? You need to start doing some David prayers and saying, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I believe if you'll do that, you will find opportunities to be a blessing to that Mephibosheth that's out there. Because there are, there's Mephibosheths out there that they can't do anything for us, but we can do something for them. And we, if we understood, if we would just take the time to think about the fact that spiritually speaking, we are a Mephibosheth. You know what we would do? We would be wanting to find that Mephibosheth out there that we can actually be the David too.
And I believe that is a very Christ-like attitude, and so I hope you'll do that. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the wonderful examples that we see. And dear God, I pray you'll help us to have a heart and attitude like David, uh, one of just love for others and uh, a heart of forgiveness for those who have uh, wronged us. And Lord, we thank you for uh, accepting us, even though spiritually speaking, we're a Mephibosheth, Lord, where uh, there's nothing that we can do, there's nothing that we can contribute, but yet you love us anyway. And Lord, we pray you'll help us to take that same spirit and pass it on to other people. In your name we pray. Amen.